And so they brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they fell before the child and worshipped. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you that we live on this side of the birth of Christ. We thank you that we are on this side of your life, your death, and your resurrection. And so we've been privileged by grace. And now, Lord, help that grace to become alive as we recognize you who are faithful. You who have been faithful to us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable unto you. O Lord, our strength and our newborn King. Amen. Well, I am grateful as a husband and as a father for such a wonderful and supportive wife that I have in Delia. Because if I did not have her in my life, I could be categorized as a pretty big loser. Um, she adds such complimentary ways to who I am. And one of those shows up in getting the gifts ready for Christmas. Um, she ensures that we have the list in front of us and she knows who's to receive gifts. And she knows that the gifts uh, are to be under the tree, and so she takes that on. And if that were to be, it would not be up to me. <laughs> I mean, she is very attentive to the details of the season. So much so that when our youngest son needs to do his Christmas shopping, he'll go to his mother and say, Mom, nobody will take me, not even Dad. Will you take me to the mall so I can get my... Christmas gifts for some others. Now this isn't a sermon on Mother's Day. This is more about I give gratitude for the gift giver. I'm grateful for the gift giver. For the one who makes sure that gifts will be presented. You know we've moved through a series during this Advent season and Christmas season as we've looked at the familiar and ask God's Spirit to help us to see fresh truths. We looked at the angelic <coughs> announcement and with holy expectancy we moved into Advent. We talked about the simplicity of the manger and how that spoke of the incarnation of God, God coming in human flesh. And last week we talked about a guidance system and while we may not have a star, we have God's Spirit, and we're able to discern God's will as God leads us. And so the star is important. But today I want us to look at the gifts of the Magi. Those gifts. Now we, legend tells us, tradition tells us there were three. We don't exactly know how many there were. And they weren't really kings. They may have been affiliated with royalty, but they were learned men. They were educated in astrology and astronomy and religions and history. And it was from that prophecy of Daniel that they were able to put 
some things together and to coordinate with the help of a star getting to the Christ child. So today, what is it about the gifts? I mean, as I think about the Magi, I think about the significance of of those gifts and how they had those gifts pre-planned and prepared and ready. One woman I was talking to as I was preparing this message, uh, we were talking about how it may or may not have been three wise men. And she said, you know, if it had been women, it would have been a lot different. They would have gotten directions early. They would have gotten there ahead of time. And they would have worked circles around everybody, probably prepared a meal, a couple of casseroles to leave behind. (coughs) I don't know. And we don't know a lot about the Magi, but we know that they were not Jewish. And so their driving passion to get to this child was not so much religious. I think they had heard the prophecy of a, a newborn king, a ruler that would be born in Bethlehem. And it was a lengthy journey. And we find in Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, that there is real clarity and specificity to these gifts. Strange as it may be. And we might ask the question, excuse me, are these practical gifts that should be given to a child? I mean, why gold? I mean, if this was deity, if this was God's own son, gold was in ready supply from the throne in which he left. And why incense? Strong, fuming odor. I mean, that could have caused respiratory problems for the baby. Why not an air freshener or an air purifier? And frankincense. You talk about a disconnect. They were there to celebrate the beginning of life. Myrrh was used for embalming the dead. And so as I thought about these gifts, I don't find them to be overly pragmatic, but symbolically significant. Each gift spoke to the nature of who this child would be. Let's take gold. Some of this may be a refresher for you. Tradition suggests that to approach a king, one must have gold on one's possession. It was a message of honor and of glory. It was a message of recognition and admiration. But this child would be a king a different kind of king. It would not have dominion in a forceful kind of way, but in a peaceful way. It would not be the kind of kingdom that would set itself based on power, but based on humility. And it would be the kingdom of the heart. Not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. And so a message for us today is, have we really enthroned Christ as king of our lives? Have we allowed Christ to have dominion over the various categories of our lives? 
Now we're good at saying, okay, God, you can enter into this area, but hands off of this. Are we willing to be transformed in such a way that we say, you are king of all, Lord of lords, and Lord of all? Or is he just Lord of little? And so they brought gold, for they were approaching a king, but it would be a king of a different kind. And frankincense, often used by priests, it was an aromatic gum resin that came from trees in southwest Arabia and in India. And it was used in connection with a meal offering. And so as a priest would make an offering on behalf of the people, would make a way for people to to be responsive and uh, to be able to communicate with God, this would be used in practice and the offering of sacrifices. And so this priest would use this in the whole ceremony of intercession. So they brought this gift, a gift of incense, a gift that would speak to this one being an intercessor. Isn't it wonderful that we have an intercessor? In Jesus Christ. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Since then we have such a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of, man, Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Because of Christ, we have been made righteous. And Christ intercedes before us as a righteous mediator. And so they brought the gift of incense. And today we give thanks that when we pray, God sees no sin, no transgressions, no filth. He sees through the lens of Christ, His only begotten Son, that we might be heard as children of God. So we have an intercessor in this child. But then myrrh was brought as a gift, a strange gift, Prized as it was, it came from a small thorny bush-like tree in the Arabian desert. And you could cut into its bark and the wood would emit a strong odor that was appropriate for the embalming of the dead. It was a beautiful way to honor the dead. And so myrrh, may it be, that we recognize that this child was born to die. Maybe if we really think about it, we see that the cradle is significant, but we can't ignore the cross. That this child would have a purpose and a destiny, would come and live among us, and would be put to death by us. The creator would be murdered by the created. But then he would empty a tomb. And so they brought gold for a king. And they brought incense for a priest. And they brought myrrh for one that would die on behalf of the whole world. 
And so the high priest would become the sacrifice. <coughs> now for me, those are significant gifts. And I'm grateful for the gift getter. The one who made a way. A loving God that provided for us a means of salvation. Provided a way. Do you remember the Old Testament story of Abraham? Abraham was the father of a great covenant. And God said, you will be the father of a great nation. I want you to look at the stars. Try to count them, Abraham. Good luck. That'll be the number of children you'll have. And count the grains of sand along the shore. For such will be the number of children and offspring that will be yours. Now this man, up in the years, could not believe it, but in faith he moved forward. You remember Sarah's wife, she overheard all this, and she laughed. And so her firstborn child would be called Isaac, because that means laughter. God has a great sense of humor. There was a moment, and I really believe that some children, especially to those couples that have struggled with infertility, become very, very special. All children are special. But I think because Abraham and Isaac had to wait so long for that child, Abraham and Sarah, that Isaac would be seen as special. And one day God said, I want you to do something. It seems counterintuitive to us. We don't understand. But he said, I want you to go and I want you to give your son up to me. I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. And he was obedient. He began to step forward and he took his son and they began to prepare a place for the sacrifice. And the son said, Isaac asked the question, where is the sacrifice? Where are we going to find that, Father? And Abraham said something key, even though he didn't fully understand all that would unfold. He said, Jehovah Jireh, in Hebrew, that means our God will provide. Our God will have the gift. Our God will do what it takes, and it will be the right thing. And sure enough, at that crucible moment, at that moment of decision, where Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son Isaac, God said, no, no, wait. I have a sufficient animal that can be sacrificed, and you will find it in the thicket. Jehovah Jireh, the gift getter, the one who is faithful. You see, that is significant because those magi brought gifts that may not have seemed practical, but they were of great value. Some would suggest that those were gifts that had monetary value that would help them as they traded. They would be able to recover financially from the abrupt move to Egypt and having to move around. That God had provided not just gifts that had symbol and merit and meaning, but had value financially. And that even when Christ was born, God was faithful to provide.
I have found that to be the case in my life. Have you? I have found that God uses other people to provide. And you found the case, that to be the case for you as well. Maybe as a college student, you wondered, how am I going to pay for that tuition bill? It's coming up. I don't have the resources. And all of a sudden, something comes through. Maybe someone realized you had a need and anonymously responded and said, I've got that. And I don't want any fame, I don't want any glory, but they took care of it. I find it amazing how God uses his people to provide, for he is Jehovah Jireh. And we have found that to be the case with the church, that when we are faithful in our giving, there are those who are on the other side who say, God is faithful, and he used Pittman Park and the good folks there. So I'm grateful for the provider of the gifts. And those gifts speak to something significant in the gold and the frankincense and myrrh and who Christ was and his purpose and his character and how he would live out his life and how he would leave this world and offer us the gift of salvation. And God is a provider for the needs that we have. For he is faithful and it is in his very name. He's the gift getter. He's the one who goes and gets the gift. He's the one that provides for us just what we need, just when we need it. I think of the story of uh, the couple that uh, was married. They had several children and, and the wife was a caregiver to parents and to her children. She was caught in what they called the sandwich generation where she was ministering to her aging parents and yet rearing small children and she was overwhelmed. And one day she said, I gotta have a break. But the family didn't realize how big a break that would be and she said, I'm going to leave for a while. I love you. Well, the husband was thrown by this. He saw a note. He didn't know exactly what to do. And so he he reached out and called her on the mobile phone and she responded and she was tearful and he said, come back home. And she said, I'm just, I'm bottomed out and I just need a break and I I just need some time away. I know there's some mothers in here that probably feel that same way. (laughs) I know my wife does. And, And she was struggling. And he continued to reach out to her and he'd say, I love you and we love you. And eventually, he figured out where she was. She was at a low-budget hotel, and she was struggling emotionally. And she was depressed. And he found out where she was specifically, and he knocked on the door of that hotel, and he entered, and she embraced him, and he embraced her. And there might be a lot of questions about why she did this, but the one thing that rings true was this. When she hugged him and he hugged her and he said, I love you. Come home. She said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go home. Let's go. She started gathering up her stuff, loaded the car, and he said, what made the difference? And she said, you know, you told me you loved me. But this time you showed up. And that's the greatest gift you could give me. You showed up. 
You know, I think about Christ and how we've heard a lot about his love. We've heard a lot about how awesome God is, but there's something significant in that he gave the gift of his only begotten son. One of the things I loved about the hymns that we were singing is the good theology that we sang in the Christmas Eve hymns. And one of them is, he wasn't created, he was begotten. There's a difference. He was precious. He was the actual God in human flesh. And he was more than just created. He was beloved by the Father. Begotten. And that only begotten Son was a gift that has been offered, is a gift in the present tense, that has been offered to you and to me. And he wants to be offered in such a way that he'll he'll be the king of our lives. He'll be the high priest that we can approach at any time and know that he intercedes on our behalf. But I also believe he wants to be recognized as the one who gave his life and calls us to do the same thing sacrificially for he is the greatest as Paul said the indescribable gift and his middle name is grace have you given your life to him have you invited Christ into your life in such a way that it will transform you and the people around you that you might be a gift to others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to call on Jared to lead us in our final hymn, and as he comes, you know, this is a good time. Uh, I won't see you again until next year, probably. (laughs) And this is a good time for you to recommit your life, to, to say, you know what, I want him to have dominion over me. I want the freedom to come and know that I can uh, seek God and he hears me and he's moving. And I want to give my life for the one that gave his life for me. That invitation is extended to you today.